Instead of asking yourself, how long do I want to live? You should really start asking yourself, how do I want to live? We all want to live forever, but if you're listening to this show, chances are you've got some minimum standards that you'd like to set as the years pass by, especially of the athletic variety. On the podcast today, we welcome Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast, a show for performance-minded women who aren't willing to put their best years behind them just yet. We discuss the effects of aging on the body, especially in your 40s, 50s, and beyond, and how to optimize your physiology, maintain your fitness, and harness your power. It's not just for the ladies or even us older athletes, so if you or someone you know is planning on getting older now or sometime in the future, even if you don't accept it, you need to give this a listen. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to the Athlinks Podcast. I am your host, Troy Busso, coming to you from sunny Colorado, finally. It is March 3rd, 2021, and this is episode 34. Well, how are you this afternoon? I am well. It is sunny here too. I'm oh, that's God! It's so that. good, so good. It was uh, yeah, it was like negative so negative eight or nine a couple weeks ago, and gloomy and garbage, and oh, it was terrible. So I love the sunshine. Yeah, you guys had a you guys had a hard. We had a February. I think was the snowiest on record here for wow. a long time. We got thirty inches at one. We got dumped on. And usually if we get dumped on here like that, then it turns like 50 degrees the next day and half of it goes away. You know, like yeah. the, the, the weather is always very variable. But this February, the snow came and it stayed. And Ugh. that's very unusual. Yeah. So like lots of snowshoeing and cross-country skiing and that, like all kinds of winter sports. And that's fun for a month for me. And now I'm glad that the sun is out and it's 50 degrees today. Yeah. I'm not smart enough to do the actual winter stuff. So my long run the other day, a Saturday, was like knee-high deep snow, just trudging through it in some parts. It was my hip flexors Well, you're were a screaming. man on a mission. Oh, it was garbage. Right? Like you're, you're training for... Uh, Silver Rush is, yeah, Silver Rush is, is, it doesn't feel like it, but it is right around the corner and that's 50 miles. At, when is it actually? Yeah, July 10th, I think. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, close enough for yeah, close enough to for me to go from twenty five to fifty. That's for sure. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely on my calendar. Well, I've anyway, never get... done a big one like that. Uh, yeah, the marathons, obviously. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on the podcast today, it's episode thirty four. We have Celine Yeager, um, and you come to us via a couple of different connections. Actually, two prior guests who you are familiar with. Um, one is your husband. Dave Pryor of Unpaved. <laughs> yep. uh, so you mentioned where you were. You're in Pennsylvania, I'm assuming. If you guys, uh, I'm assuming you cohabit. <laughs> so yes, yes, yeah. we, we cohabit. We are in Pennsylvania. Yeah. What's the value? Sus- Susquehanna or is that where you are? Susquehanna River Valley. Susquehanna River Valley. We are Valley. not there though. You are not there. We That's are, which reasons. is a little unusual. Uh, his partner in crime, Mike Kuhn, is closer to the actual Reese venue area. You know, it's a little more center into the state. We're a little closer to the eastern side, actually the border of the state by New Jersey. Um, so it's about, you know, it's a couple hour drive to get to the Susquehanna River Valley, but it's uh, the mountains there are very different. The Bald Eagle State Forest is there and just all those amazing dirt roads. It's, it's a less populous place than where we are. Yeah. And 
deep in Amish country in the state forest. It's, it's a very special place. Oh, it looks magnificent. Um, and the other connection that you have is a former colleague of mine, um, Jeff Catch, who now works for the Rodale oh, Institute. Oh, I just rode with him. Yeah. yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's a great guy. So we, I have plans, my wife and I, and probably my kids too, this summer to go stay at the Rodale Institute and then race unpaved as all part of a, a oh, little summer that's package. Amazing. Yeah, or a fall pack. yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, no, that'd be great. That'll be yeah. great. That's living right there. Yeah. No, yeah. that's great. Cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. So you are, you're a self-professed two-wheeled adventurer from Iron Man to Cape Epic and Kanza. Um, and then you're also the host of the um, Hit Play Not Pause podcast, which is, um, mm -hmm. I'd like for you to describe it because I'm, you know, it, it's, there's definitely a, uh, <laughs> there's a, um, uh, well, Do you well, not want to say the word menopause, Troy? I, it's not that I don't want to say it. I'm, I'm fine saying it. I'm fine talking okay. about it and all of those things. But why don't you describe right. it? Because I don't want to try to describe it and then say something stupid, but I'm happy to discuss it for sure. No, I was just giving you some, I know. some grief. Um, yeah, it's, it is a podcast for performance-minded active women in their menopausal years. Yeah, you know, awesome. So, which... Could could be kind of half your life, really, because <laughs> you know, the changes that start happening as you approach menopause, you know, the hormones fluctuate, then decline and pretty much flatline. Then you're in that state for the rest of yeah. your life. And the training adaptations and the, the things that you need to change to sort of mitigate what it, the symptoms that you're having and all the, the byproducts of losing those hormones you know, you, you kind of persist with that the rest of your life. So whatever you start sort of changing going into menopause, you're going to continue doing a lot of those changes afterwards. Yeah. And I'm, you know, personally, selfishly interested in all this, obviously, um, you know, we were just talking about the 50. The reason I'm doing Silver Rush was it, it kind of became this idea of turning 50 and doing a 50 miler. Mm -hmm. And I've actually been thinking about starting another podcast called Chasing 50. So the hashtag I've been oh, sort of like doing that. my changing under I is, saw that. Mm -hmm. yeah, 50 chasing 50. But the idea is that like we turn 50, um, that type of thing versus like we chase it. And I think like, you know, in, in a lot of aspects, this is the best time of my life. You know, I'm finally mm -hmm. like really good at a career. I have a family mm -hmm. that is now, you know, grown and going on. Like there's so many things to celebrate when you hit that 45 to 55 type of mm -hmm. age range. And I, I loved when you reached out of like, um, it didn't feel like, um, cause I listened, you know, albeit somewhat abbreviatedly to the podcast, but it didn't seem like a, um, it felt like more of a celebration than a self-help type of thing. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so I, 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 wow. No, I appreciate you picking up on that nuance because one of the, one of the things that I found, you know, so personally, I didn't really start racing seriously, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, but until I was like 40, mm. you know, I did all of those big mountain bike stage races and all of that stuff in my forties. And honestly, like I hit, you know, I was like 47 and, and still racing a stage race in Cuba. And there was definitely part of me that thought, Oh, maybe, maybe I'll miss it. <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> maybe it won't be that bad. Like, I really didn't even know it. Like, I had heard about hot flashes, and I would written about menopause. I'd been writing about menopause since my mid-20s mm. for the women's magazines, right? But it's always just this idea that it's just, 
You lose your period. Okay, that's not so bad. You know, maybe you have some hot flashes or whatever. But nobody, nobody tells you what it what it actually is all about. And as a competitive or a performance minded woman, it can blindside you. Like literally, it feels like you wake up one morning and you your muscles gone and you've you've gained some fat and your body composition isn't what you recognize and your power's gone and you're having like all of these psycho social all these symptoms and it's you know a lot of a lot of girls check out a sport at puberty and a lot of women check out at menopause mm. and there's a reason for that you know like you're in a body that's not what you're you're comfortable you're comfortable with that's and you just you don't it's not reacting the same way and you know, I started, like, I'm a reporter for a living. I write about this stuff for a living. So I started doing some digging, like, okay. And there was literally, I mean, there's plenty, there's plenty for the the typical sort of sedentary audience, stuff that I would write. You should exercise, you know? Right. You should, you know, eat. But, but if you're already like, okay, I got that check. Now what? Like, not much. And then I, I, work with Stacey Sims as as you you may know with this book Roar she's pretty much the premier researcher in women's physiology and nutrition and we had done Roar which sort of was a blanket for all women okay lots of talk about menstruation lots of talk about cycles one chapter on menopause and i had heard a lot of rumblings over the year that that was a disservice like one chapter was not enough okay but i wasn't there yet you know and i was just <laughs> like oh okay and then, like, I hit it, and I was like, the right one chapter is not enough. Wow. And I called Stacy, and she, you know, we had talked about doing a follow-up to the book, and she was deep into developing a menopause for athletes course, and she's like, I hear this all the time, exactly what you're saying, overnight, all these changes. And then, you know, in the process, we're almost done with the follow-up to that book, but in the process of that, I was like, oh, my God, like, Troy, if you can imagine losing all of your testosterone over yeah. the next couple of years, yeah. what would that do to you? Yeah. I mean, that it, it's very similar. Like estrogen is a driver for I can't, countless you know, systems in your body, blood pressure control and temperature control and your moods, your appetite, your blood sugar, estrogen and progesterone are drivers for all of these things and they go and it has a profound effect. And you have to adapt to that. But, like, if you don't know that estrogen's anabolic, you don't understand why you, well, all of a sudden your muscle's gone, right? Yeah. Like, you did. So, that's a long way of saying that when, you know, I got very personally involved in this, and then I recognized that I had yeah. done this disservice to this community by just sort of writing this one chapter, and Stacy was very involved in it. Yeah. And the people who she works with, Liv Feisty, asked me to do like a webinar, you know, like some kind of thing. I'm like, you guys need a podcast. And they're like, do you want to do it? And I said, yes. And nice. that's how, that's how that got started. Well, that's awesome. So when, when you, like for men, I know there's, you know, um, there's testosterone treatments that you can take, there's human growth hormone, but then there's downsides to mm -hmm. once you start supplementing, you stop producing mm -hmm. and, and all of those mm -hmm. things. What is the female variant of that when you stop producing the estrogen, et cetera? Like what, are there therapies? Does exercise yes. stave off all of those things? Ex exercise does not stave off all those things. It helps for okay. sure. but. 
You know, you can, of course, get menopausal hormone therapy is what they call it. They used to call it hormone replacement therapy. They mm. don't really call it that anymore. And if that's a combination, depending on your situation, it has to be dialed in personally for you of, you know, estrogen and or progesterone, yeah. right? Like you're just putting back some of those. Most women use those to... Like, it can be downright unlivable for some women. You know, some women get migraines. They get depression. I mean, just really, really debilitating symptoms. And absolutely positively, like, menopausal hormone therapy is there for you, and it's a good idea. You know, there's there's still this sort of idea. There was a study that came out 20 years ago, maybe more at this point. It was like, it causes cancer, it causes heart disease, it causes all these problems, and everybody got scared. Mm. And that that many, many researchers have since blown holes in that research, you yeah. know, and said, like, no, 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 it's okay. And so, like, definitely through the menopausal transition, using those, those therapies is 100% fine. I will note that testosterone is, you can't even get a TUE, you can't even get a therapeutic use for women. Is that right? For it, which is yes, which I think is ridiculous. Huh. But yeah, that that is that is true. And there's also, you know, we talk about a lot of um, adaptogens are very popular too, and a, a lot of athletes use adaptogens. Period, like cordyceps, rhodiola. Like you know, the, there's a lot of things that that people use. But one of the one of the benefits of using some of these herbal adaptogens for women at this time is that they deal with stress resilience and when you lose your hormones, your cortisol goes up, your stress goes up, your okay. inflammation goes up. So anything you can do to sort of control that and bring it back down is very helpful. So is, is and that then a, there's, sorry, is that a chain that because your cortisol goes down, then your stress goes up? Like you don't, you're, and then your inflammation no, your cortisol is your stress hormone. So like you don't have the same estrogen and progesterone sort of help regulate those processes. They, okay. they help regulate cortisol and nor and norepinephrine and some of your neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. So when those hormones start fluctuating and decline, a lot of that goes haywire and you end up with higher levels of cortisol. You end up with higher stress levels and systemic stress is bad for you always, right? Sure. Systemic cortisol is bad for you yeah. always. It, it delays recovery. It's just not good for you. Yeah. Insulin resistance, all of these things follow. It's a chain. And, uh, it can also, menopausal symptoms also really wreck your sleep. So it sets up this vicious cycle yeah. of it, yeah. you know, because you, you can't ever bring those, that stress down. Right. And that is, that is probably singularly the best thing that women can do in this space is anything they can do to claim their sleep and bring down that stress is very helpful. Have you guys dug into like pre-industrial uh, revolution types of things? Like were women this affected before, whether it's diet or the, the other? <laughs> they used to be put in jail. They are uh, not jail. They used to be locked up. And this is the whole yes. hysteria women, equals. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. That is witches. We were burned or we were locked up. We were told we were crazy. Yeah. Hysteria. Uh I'm yeah, just, I'm, not, the, the reason I'm asking specifically is like the hormone replacement and things like that, or uh, sorry, hormone uh, menopausal therapies. Hormone um, therapy. There you MHD. go. Hormone ther- yeah. therapy. You know, it's like, is, because um, I always look for like, well, you know, I mean, whatever the supplement is, you know, it, like, w- what did people do before? Is it that, today's environment is breaking those things down to a different level where all of a sudden now you need something to bring you back up that much higher. 
Meaning like instead of the hormone replacement, are there other things that you can cut out of your life that would make life better? I mean, is it, you know, uh, EMTs and things like that? Uh, like, is it, you know, uh, other environmental factors that are, that are amplifying the downsides to menopause? I, you know, I mean, we do live in a, in a stressful place, but I, I really don't think that it is uh, environmental in that way, if I'm understanding you correctly. I mean, women have always suffered these, right. these symptoms going through this transition. You know, culturally, I mean, that's an interesting question, though. Like, there are cultures where um, older women are more revered, mm-hmm. and they suffer less symptomology actually and that might be because if you're not respected your stress is already higher like there's a big stress component to that right uh bipoc african-american women have higher symptoms why might that be like more stress right like like there's a lot there's a lot to that yeah but certainly uh if you if you look at the history and and how medicine and how cultures have treated women in general as they hit the space, we were pretty disposable or just, you know, again, like given yeah. volume or yeah. that. Yeah. And not, I'm not, not trying to, to diminish what is And women's lifespan hasn't been that long. Like we've, we have doubled our lifespan as people yeah. in a very short period of time. Yeah. True. You know, like we're living much longer postmenopausally yeah. than historically. If you go way back, we would have. Yeah, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to say that it is or isn't or anything. Just asking the question and, and trying to figure yeah, yeah. out, like, because I, I I wonder the same things, you know, as a man, and you know, it's like, I mean, I you know, again, turning fifty, like I remember what my parents' folks were like at fifty, and you know, like nobody was Way running different. a fifty mile race. You know, nobody was still training. It was sort of like you hit mid thirties, almost seemed to be the time you kind of hung that stuff up. And so yeah. now it's well, like more active longer, way, way longer, but not even active. Yeah. Cause I think my, like my stepdad jogged maybe this late, but, yeah. but it wasn't okay. like, he wasn't racing. He wasn't like, you know, uh, not to diminish it, but uh, he wasn't really going for performance. He was just more trying to, right. you know, keep his weight in, in, in check or whatever. Yeah. And so when I think about that, you know, going to the gym and wondering, you know, man, how do I continue to, you know, lift the same amount of weights and, and, and gain. And I don't frankly feel like I've lost all that much strength, um, Mm -hmm. you know, from my height relative to the amount of hours I'm putting into working out, you know, in my twenties, I'd go to the gym for two and a half hours. You know, now I don't have that kind of time. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, no, I think that we're more aware, right? Like I think that, that the expectation, our expectations are different. Like my parents were not like people, everything has changed. Like we understand, even in professional sports, they understand the benefit of nutrition yeah. in the marathon like way more than we've ever understood the benefit of like, right. you know, paying attention to your your recovery and your macronutrients. We just yeah. have such a better understanding. Yeah, I love. There's a picture of somebody in the Boston Marathon, you know, like early days where he's got a bagel in his in his um, <laughs> in his waistband. <laughs> like that was yeah. the, that's what it was. You know, well, that's that's what they knew at the time. Yeah, yeah we've come a long nutrition. way in that way, and I think, yeah, that helps an awful lot. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, like when it comes to whether again it's menopause or low testosterone or any of these things that you start to experience as you as you age on, um, and you just nailed it, which is like that the awareness of it. You know, where it used to, and not even used to. I know a lot of people who are like, well, you're just getting older. 
And I'm like, fuck oh, totally. that, you know, like, no, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I got to figure this out, you know? Well, one of the, I'll tell you, like it, I, I myself did not go the hormonal route because I just didn't feel it. My symptomology wasn't there and I, I felt like, you know, but it wasn't necessary. But the things that I did change, I, I had never been, you know, I came up through the sports when people were still arguing with each other about whether endurance athletes should lift. Right. Mm. Like that was still yeah. a discussion like, oh, cyclists, you shouldn't be in the gym. You shouldn't be lifting. And God knows, don't, def-, you know, like the, like yeah. people just people were still fighting about that. Like <clears throat> spend it on your bike. You're wasting your time in the gym. And I was always very naturally muscular. So I didn't I lifted on and off. I'm a trainer. So I've always thought like I, you know, should definitely know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But when I when I hit this space, I, you know, talking to Stacy, she's like lift heavy shit. Like you need to, because estrogen is, provides that driving for muscle synthesis and anabolic stuff. And you become less, you become less anabolic in general. Uh, you know, in everybody kind of does, but women specifically without these hormones. She's like, so you need to pick up some of the slack. So let's go slow through this because I, I think this is a really, okay. really important piece. And I've been on my mom actually for 15, 20 years. On I will the, talk you all the way through it. Yeah, on the benefits of lifting heavy, because I know there's a lot of things also tied to like Alzheimer's and stuff and pushing your heart rate yes. and all that kind of stuff. So let's walk through this a little bit slowly of just the benefits okay, so, of lifting heavy and why. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> but there, 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 I mean, there just are like, yeah. you need A, you're losing some of the drivers for for bone synthesis and for muscle synthesis. Like your hormones have been doing a bunch of this work for you. And when they're gone, that you're losing, you're losing some of your helpers. Okay. Let's just put it that way. So, yeah. So, so you need to come in and like step up where those left off. So lifting heavy provides that neuromuscular stimulus. It's not about getting big muscles. It's not even about hypertrophy. It's about like making those connections and keeping those connections, which is really, really important. You want to stay strong because estrogen also helps with muscle tensile strength with contraction. Yeah. So you need something to send all those same signals in and lifting heavy, mm. lifting heavy, true heavy, you know, minus yeah. six reps, like one to six reps is a full body stimulation. It's a neuromuscular stimulation mm. and it also increases your efficiency. So everything is working in concert. It's working together. It's stimulating bone. It's very, very important. And it, it is like there's a, a mind-muscle connection that is, it's, it's so good for you. It's good. Like the research that's been done, it is good for your, to um, stimulate BDNF, which is the brain, miracle grow for your brain, if you will. It okay. helps the, keep the, the neuron development in your brain. Like it, the, the benefits go on and on and on. And I think that we always just used to write it off as, um, you know, something muscle heads did and this and that. But I, I have been blown away by how much just going in, to, even if I do nothing else, going into deadlift once or twice a week has changed my life. And okay. I, that's not an overstatement. <clears throat> like, so I feel so much better all over my feet. And it helps your body composition. It helps yeah. all of it. Do you mix in like uh, uh, how many days a week do you lift, let's say, or work out? I should say. Yeah, I go in. Um, you know, it depends on the time of the year. Obviously, when the weather's nice, yeah. it's really hard to get myself into the gym. Yeah. But you know, during the winter, I'll go in three times a week, okay. and 
even during quote unquote this season, you know, when I'm doing riding my bike and stuff, I try to go in once a week. Okay. I, mean, I can't promise you I always do, but even yeah. every 10 days, I try to keep that maintenance. And when you hit this age, like you really do need that maintenance. Yeah. Like you can't get away with like skipping it for three months. Yeah. So when you go in yeah. three days a week, are all three lifts going to be heavy lifts or do you mix in like a, a lighter day, higher reps type of thing? I don't ever do higher reps. Okay. I don't ever do like real high reps because that is not useful for me. I mean, I'm on my bike. I'm on my feet. Yeah. Anything that's just going to kind of make me tired. I don't need the endurance. Yeah. I don't need muscle endurance. Right. I need that neurostimulation. Okay. So yeah, twice a week, I'll just lift heavy. It'll be different lifts perhaps, yeah. but it is definitely, I do plyometrics and I do heavy lifts. Okay. Like functional types of things and different uh, different training. Yeah, the same thing. You just if you want the stimulus. Yeah. You, you need that that strong yeah. full body stimulus. And there's a hormonal component too that helps ultimately because endurance stuff. When you when you when you're running those long runs, your stress is going up. That's why you get a little of that inflammation. Like your cortisol rises. Like it has that thing. Lifting heavy gives you a spike, but then it drops it. Oh, and you become more stress resistant. So it's very good hormonally for you too. Got it. And do you, do you apply the same principles on the bike? Like, do you go for like a, you know, grind a heavy gear up hills and things like that? Like, do you throw in heavy workout, like kind of strength type workouts? Sometimes I do that. Sometimes yeah. I do that. Um, more importantly, I've also, the other thing I've, I've added is fewer, you know, I don't do the two by twenties and all that kind of like longer intervals anymore. For the same reason, the sprint interval, like the true sprint interval, that the Tabata protocols, like yeah. less than 30 seconds on, um, are much more useful, mm. keeping that top end. So I do more of that. I've, I've, I kind of got away from that because I'm just like, eh. But now I, I, I've actually done away with the longer intervals, and I just do the short ones. Got it. How and have, then I do my long stuff on the weekend. Okay. So, so since you've started doing this and and – it's, it must have been a pretty fascinating journey kind of learning and writing about all this stuff as you were experiencing it. How, yeah. Like, yeah. Give, me, um, give me kind of just walk me through the physiological and mental changes because I'm really fascinated by that whole cycle of stress, which then spikes your cortisol, which then interrupts your sleep, which then stresses you out more. And you look in the mirror and you don't like how you look. And then you're not getting looked at at, you know, I mean, we all like to be complimented and all of those things. And when that right. goes away, like nobody likes to admit this kind of stuff, but that is a reality as you get older, you know? You, oh yeah, it is. You yeah, know? Is. And, and so, um, body image is a huge thing. Huge thing. Yeah. I've done shows on it. Mm -hmm. And so as you're, as you're learning this and you're walking through, or you're living it rather, um, how did you start to like see the, like, I guess what I'm, my, what I'm ultimately going for is, is how do you, how do you deal with it? How do you take the things that you can actually control and control mm -hmm. them? And then the mm -hmm. other things that you can't control, hopefully minimize those things as much as possible. That's such an excellent question. Because uh, there's so much to it, yeah. and I'm 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 very open and honest, so I'll just approach it from that from that place. I mean, part of it, you know, I'm I've always been a very uh, public person, and uh, you know, in my in my career too, you know, working with bicycling and working with these things and being in videos and often having photos shoots and that kind of stuff. So when these changes started happening, I didn't want anybody to take a picture of me anymore. Mm. I didn't want any of that. Like it was very difficult for mm. me. 
because it's that was part of my identity. Yeah. You know, like that that's a big part of your identity. And I was just like, okay, is it done? Is my career done? Like if I if I don't want to do anything and, and be a face of anything anymore, is it like what is it, it I, I won't lie, it was very <clears throat> difficult. And, and I and I did a show on eating disorders. Um this is this is gonna maybe go way deeper than you want, but that is what it is. Go as deep as you're, um, you're as you're willing. Well, I had I had anorexia and bulimia when I was in college for a spell, which was brought on by bad relationships, bad self worth, all kinds of things. But I found my way out of that. Uh, but it never really leaves you. Mm. And uh, exercise helped, and that 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 was a big part of be getting out of that hole is 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 finding my athletic self and having that control because control is a big part. Right. And then when you hit menopause at the other end and things are going out of your control and your body is changing, a lot of women slip back into that space. A lot of women fight eating disorders all over again. I had a, uh, a colleague of mine who was a, you know, acquaintance, casual friend died at 50 of mm. her eating disorder. Wow. So yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is very, very rattling. Very rattling from that point of view. So, and because I was working on this book, yeah. I thought I can't write this book in any good faith unless I can get my own house in order. Like I can't write something I don't believe. Right. I can't write something that isn't, I don't think works, right. you know? So um, it was, a, it's been a really interesting yeah. couple of years of that journey because I was like, okay, I've got to get my shit together. Not that I was doing anything wrong, but I'm like, I have to figure this out. And if I can't figure it out, then I have to bow out. Like yeah. there, there's no, there's no other <clears throat> way here. And I, you know, I literally, I texted Stacy. I'm like, you need to help me or I can't write this book. Wow. And you know, she, yeah, she, She's like, calm down. I hear it all the time, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but I, you know, a lot of things. I wasn't eating enough because what's the first thing you do? Like, if right. if you start, like, your body composition changes, you just start not eating, which yeah. is like counterproductive because we're talking about that stress again. Totally, especially women. Like when women start intermittent fasting or start doing that, like their blood sugar control goes haywire. We're not women, especially, are not built for fasting, hmm. and. We low energy availability is the what it's technically called, but it causes that whole cascade of stress. Then you, you're continuing to get to gain weight or at least hold on to weight, all those things, yeah. right? So it's just like you must feed yourself, yeah. you must fuel yourself, you need more protein, you need more branch chain amino acids, you need to lift heavy, you know, the whole thing. And I was like, okay, I must try all these things. And I tried all these things, and you know, I started doing some stuff to help my sleep because my sleep wasn't yeah. wasn't good. And, and it worked, you know, I'm not as, as muscly as I was at 38 and that's okay. I mean, like your body is going to change age is a thing, but I've definitely mitigated it and I feel much more like myself again. And I feel, you know, strong again. And I'm, I'm now like, okay, I can step out and I can be, I can be the face of this thing, but it was definitely a journey. And so was your, was part of your stress literally almost at like a, um, an evolutionary type of primal, I guess is the right word, fear that because your career is basically tied to, you know, like, cause you have this other skill to write that has nothing to do, like yeah. you could write about anything, has nothing to do with your appearance or physicality or anything. 
but because it's sort of in this realm of athletics and things like that, you are, you're ba- again, that sort of that hunter gatherer in us. You're like, I don't have an ability to hunt anymore if I don't look a certain way or feel, you know, project a certain image kind of thing. It, which is then stressing you out, thinking like I'm not going to be able to. Well, yeah, because like, myself. why would anybody listen to me if right. I, you know? And I, I battled that my whole my whole athletic career. Because like, once I started doing all those races, it's like it, it was a it was an always underlying stress for me. Like, if I tank and I suck, no one's gonna like. I can. I'm a cat. I'm a pro card catastrophic thinker. So I'd be like, if I don't do well, everyone's gonna be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Look how she's done. And I know a lot of that is crap, and that's right. just theater of my own mind. Yeah, you know. But but some of it, you know. I mean, definitely, if I'm going to tell you that you can mitigate these things, and if I can't mitigate them, then I'm not authentic. Yeah. I, but I also like I'm okay with showing that, you know. like yes i have wrinkles and yes you know my muscles aren't with it but whatever but but you can still be pretty good in your game you know you can still feel pretty good about yourself you can still and that that's what was most important to me but yeah like because my life is so meshed as you mentioned like i'm a writer and a writer and like all these things like there's i am all of these things but they all intersect with each other Anything that 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 pulls a thread out of that becomes uh, more precarious yeah. in my mind. I hear you, hundred percent. It's funny. My um, on the I think in two episodes is um, is an author at Haranon Finn, who's one of my favorite. He wrote one of my favorite running books, Rise of the Ultra Runner. And what I loved so much about his book is that, like he says, it's hard. It's, you know, it's a grind. It's like, I don't like I read Dean Carnass's stuff, which is great, but it's like, dude, you're like, he just has an ability. Like, you know, I'm going to go run 150 miles and then go to the amusement park with my kids. It's just bizarre. Like I can't, there's no amount of training. He obviously has a different thing inside of him. Right, he's an outlier. Yeah, total outlier. And then at Haranand is just, I read him and I feel like, yes, that would be my experience and it is attainable and I can do it. And so it's funny yeah. when, like, talking to you, where I'm sure most of the people that read you, the thing that is so relatable is that you're relatable. That you know, it's like you don't <laughs> you don't have to be, um, you know, right. uh, Kipchoge out there, or you know, the Lance Armstrong, or, or you know, Kristen Armstrong, for that matter. No, and and that's what I used to get a lot that that meant a lot to me. Like I would, you know, women would come up to me or anybody really, and they'd be like. Because I, I, when I had a blog, you know, when everyone had blogs, I would just talk about how incredibly nervous I would get. Yeah. People were like, you get nervous? I'm like, I get super nervous. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just, it helps people just know, like, okay, they wake up with nerves and everybody wakes up with nerves. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, um, like, what are the, let's, let's, I guess, talk about some practical things other than lifting, um, that you do on a daily or weekly basis to kind of keep all of this, um, um, keep your life in order. And cause I do want to talk about the racing and the training side then. And in, in yeah. so that's kind of the, maybe the transition over to that is how are you maintaining your level of, uh, because you don't strike me as a person, certainly looking at your Instagram, you're not just like, Oh, as long as I finish, I'm good. Like you're putting in some serious work <laughs> and you know, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I- you know, some of it is just having to make peace with some stuff. And and this is not just menopausal. This is kind of anybody, you know, hitting 50, I would say, is that 
you 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 do like I used to recover really fast. Like that was my thing. That's why stage racing was my thing. I was very very good at recovery, mm. and I'm still relatively, but not to myself. You know, like yeah. I I definitely feel that. Like so, I have to be okay with like that true rest. Like like really embracing that idea that I'm going to rest as hard as I train. You know, like everyone talks about that, but like I really need to. To believe it and do it, and it yeah. does make a big difference. Imagine that. Um, you know, and just other things, just being a little more methodical about. I also used to not necessarily get my recovery window, right? Like, I've written about the recovery window a billion times. Like, 30 minutes after you're done with a hard workout, especially if you're a woman, men have a little bigger window. You need to get the protein, especially leucine, and you need to, like, put that in your system. And I'd be like, ah, you know, I'll have a beer, and then I'll go back, and then I'll get... But now I'm just like, okay, I've got to hit my window, because it really does make a difference. Mm. Like, I feel the difference. I need to do more mobility work now. Like, a lot of stuff that I could blow off just because I probably have some genetic predisposition to be pretty strong and fit. Uh, If I want to stay that way, I have to actually take some of my own advice a little more. Uh, Not not the worst things in the world, but yeah. Yeah, in a way it is... um... When I first started getting into triathlons, I got Joe Friel's Bible. Um, I followed it to a freaking T. I did every single workout perfectly. You know, I everything. You know, I looked at my stride. I filmed my stride on the treadmill, made sure my feet were landing correctly because I came to endurance sports similar to you, like later, um, Mm -hmm. but but a little bit earlier than that. But um, so I like I knew I had all these deficiencies. I had no idea how to swim. I had never really, other than like, you know, my BMX was a kid, like I wasn't a cyclist and all these things. And so I progressed extremely quickly in the beginning. And then I I hit this level of comfort where then I stopped doing all the right things. And guess what happened? I freaking plateaued, you know, (laughs) like, oh, big surprise. Amazing how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And so in some ways that has been kind of nice about getting a little bit older is that it forces you to have to take things, recovery, stretching. um, And again, not that I do it uh, to the level that I need to be doing it, but it does force you into really thinking, being more strategic about how you're training, when you're training. Um, etc. You know. Yeah, and there, there's 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 worse burdens to bear. Yeah, right. You know, I, I, like you do have to work harder to make you know to maintain, but that's okay. Yeah, you know. I'm I okay. think the last race I won was in around fifth grade, so it's not like I'm. I was, <laughs> you know, I wasn't. I wasn't standing on top of every podium before, so it didn't really change anything for me. I'm a little bit farther back, but you know, I'm still pushing as hard as I can. So. And you get mentally, I mean, I think that you can't, you can never underestimate the power of experience and the mental part, right? I mean, you get, you, sure. I, at least I feel like I, I've, I have so much to draw on. You have, when you have so much experience, you just have, you just have a deeper well mentally to draw yeah. on. And that's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Well, there's, I mean, the, the beauty of endurance sports is there's, there's no, Senses require friction, you know, like when, when you're not breathing in through your nose, you can't smell when you're not running, you can't just put mm-hmm. something on your tongue and taste it. You have to sort of move it around a little bit. And, and that is like, to me, the same mind body connection that endurance sports gives you is that, you know, bodies rest in motion 
literally means like, you know, when there's no friction and the couch is friction, if you don't put forth the effort, you're just going to sit there on the couch and you're not going to know, you're not going to know what you're missing. You have to put mm-hmm. forth that effort. You have to give your body and brain friction constantly to really know you're alive, feel you're alive and feel the difference between that and when you are just sitting on the couch doing nothing. And as you get older, that becomes, I think, more and more intense. I feel better because the delta is more now. You know what I mean? Like when I'm not training, when I let the winter get to me and I get a little, you know, Mm -hmm. the delta between when I feel good and bad is bigger every year. Yeah. So, you know, I love that part of it. I do. There's a lot to embrace of getting old. And I think to your point is like, as long as you know what you're doing and you're given some tools and, and really to your point, when you start to understand what is going on, because I think the stress thing is nowhere near, like it's not talked about nearly enough. The stress thing I think is is like a key. Key, It's very big. It's very big. People, I mean, we, we talk about it in the lexicon a lot, but it is a metabolic thing, and it's very damaging. And yeah. I think that it, we, we don't give it enough credit yeah. in our lives as a real thing. So how did you, how did you get into racing and, and really, um, like what was your athletic background before you started getting into Ironmans and big stage races? <laughs> um, I, I was not an endurance athlete. Well, that's funny. Okay, so I, did, I played field hockey in, in high school. I ran track. I I did not like to run. Running was punishment. You know, when you play ball sports, run, they make you run when you I think, screw I think up. 80% I think of I'm the like people a- who have been on this podcast have said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a thing. Like, I that's just how it, yeah. it, always, it, it always comes off. I, and, I, and I did not. I, I'm still, I don't, I like to run, but I don't think I'm a natural runner. Okay. Like, I, I'm definitely more built to, to ride a bike. Okay. But, but I do, I do very much enjoy running now. I didn't, I didn't enjoy running then. And I, but I did always ride a bike and I, and I never really thought about it because I didn't growing up. I didn't know. I just grew up in a little coal town in Pennsylvania and I didn't know the Tour de France was a thing. Right. I, I didn't know anything about anything. My, I had a bike and I loved to ride it like that, that my earliest memory and my earliest dreams are actually riding my bike. It's and freedom. I would ride down to my friend's house and I would ride to the lake, even when I got my driver's license, just to see if I could ride 20 miles, you yeah. know, like it, 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 I, and I never thought about it. Like it's only in retrospect that I'm like, wow, I, this has always been something in yeah. me. Like I, but, uh, but I, but I easily put it down when I went to college, mm-hmm. you know, and just, it's not like it, I was doing it for a sport and I went to a big state school. So I just walked everywhere and a bike would kind of be a pain. But then I, after I got out of college, I started medical writing and, I wanted to get into consumer writing. I wanted to write for like men's health, women's health, like those kind of magazines. And Rodale Press was, I I was working in Philadelphia and Rodale Press is in Emmaus, PA. They're about an hour apart. And I learned about it and I was like, it would be amazing to work there. Like they do all these things, right? So I just kept sending them resumes and they kept rejecting me. And then at some point somebody found my resume and a headhunter called me and I got a job there. And that on that is the biggest uh, thing that just set my life on this trajectory Mm. when when I got that job because I just met all these people and and they 
ran at lunch and they rode bikes because bicycling is out of was out of there. Runner's World was out of there. And I was riding in their book division and I met the people at bicycling. And I had a just a crappy specialized hybrid. And they were like, you should come on the lunch ride. And it's like, okay, I guess I will. And you know, I, I they had real bikes. I right. didn't even know what real bikes were. I was just on my thing. And one of them looks down and they're like, you're pretty good at this. Like, you should get yourself a real bike. Like, wow. you're, you're with us. And, like, and like, all right. So they, they held, they, they, the hand holding was amazing. They, like, got me a bike. And I didn't have, like, the right shorts or the shoes. Like, and I didn't know any of it. Yeah. They, they were just so nice. Like, you might, like, if you got clips, you know, you'd, you'd be, you'd even like this more. I'd be like, okay, you know. And, like, they just shepherded me through. And at some point, they're like, you should try racing. I was just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's not, I don't want to do that. And I lined up and I won my first, you know, little local race. And wow. the same thing happened with mountain biking. They just invited me out. And they were like, so you have a talent for this. And I, I had no idea. But without yeah. them, like, none of it would have happened. And it just all really took off from there. Yeah, funny how that works out. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I met Dave. He was uh, working at Rodale, too. Like, we all... Oh, I didn't realize. I feel like we all grew Rodeo. up together. Is yeah. that how he knows Jeff? Yep. Okay. That's how we all know each other. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it is a very small world, for sure. That's it, um, it, yeah, it really is. Yeah, I didn't even know that Jeff. We just rode with him the other day. Yeah, I didn't know they knew each other, and I was at the gym about a month ago, and I get a text, and I look at it, and it's a picture of Jeff and Dave, like posing in front of the Rodale sign. And I don't remember if, I don't think we had figured it out before. I think they, those two figured out that they'd been on the podcast and that they both <laughs> knew me. So yeah, it was, it was great. It was, it was totally uh, unplanned and, and hilarious, but that's, that's good. So you, you start, um, I wonder like where did, What was your, I guess, best, like, why do you think you were so good so fast? Is it your engine or your strength or both? Like, are you a really, are you kind of a endurance freak? Are you a strength freak, a little bit of both? I guess I just have genes from either yeah. side. I mean, my dad was a um, bodybuilder <laughs> growing huh. up. He was a natural bodybuilder. Yeah. So the muscle thing is definitely a thing. Yeah. And and looking back, my grandfather did actually ride a he got a bike and used to do the same kind of wacky thing. He'd be like, Oh, I wonder if I can go three towns over. Yeah. Like it just, there's something in the DNA there. <clears throat> yeah. And it, it, it absolutely has to be just a genetic thing. Like my, yeah. my brother is very just naturally athletic though. He doesn't do a whole bunch. So yeah, I mean, there was just some innate ability there that I, I didn't even know yeah. existed until I tapped into it. Was it biking that you were really most drawn toward uh, versus yeah. like the swim bike run? So you were, yeah. Yeah. And when, I liked when I, when I, go ahead. I was going to say on the Ironman side, like the Ironman is such a gravitational force. You know, it's like if, if you do long stuff, you end up in Ironman, whether you want to or not, it seems like, you know. That changed my life too. That yeah. was just a lark, honestly. Like I had started doing the same group of people. Like, triathlon was having a moment, you know, probably in the mid nineties, late mm -hmm. nine, late, late nineties. And a lot of people at Rodale were starting to do triathlon. And I was not a good swimmer, but, you know, we had uh, access to the town pool and everybody would go in the mornings three times a week. And they're like, oh, you should just come and try one. I was like, okay, you know, whatever, like a sprint. 
And this the swim was really hard for me because I was not a good swimmer, but I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. It just felt like recess. It felt like a day out just playing, you know? And I liked the jumping from sport to sport. And, and then I just remember I was at an Olympic distance triathlon in Jersey, Bridge, Bridgeton, New Jersey, I think it was. And the people around me were talking about Iron Man, and that's the first time I'd heard about it. And I was like, huh. And it just something just sat. Like, you ever have those moments where you have like a little seed that you can feel go into your brain, but you oh, don't yeah. know what it's gonna do? Oh, yeah. It was one of those moments. And I was just like, okay. And then I, then I heard about it, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I still was very firmly convinced that I was just a middle distance athlete. Like, I ran the 800 in track. I was like, I just was not interested. Like, I, marathon, forget it. Um, I was like, oh, maybe someday. And then I did end up, this is a bucket list running the marathon. And I did fine. You know, it was, it was nothing to write home about. But I did say, I will never do that again unless it's on an Ironman. And I started to, like, have the thought, like, it is a bucket list thing, maybe someday. And then I picked up a triathlete magazine in my office. I'll never forget it. It was the kind of article that I would write back in the day. It was 16 weeks to triathlon, uh, to Ironman. Yeah. And I was like, 16 weeks? I could do That's that. so doable. Yeah, totally. I could do that. And Dave was out like mowing the lawn or something. I opened my window. And I was like, I think I'm going to do an Ironman. Like, <laughs> it's like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's just four months. Like, it's yeah. not that bad. I can totally do that. And I opened, I, so I actually like looked. I'm like, Louisville is close. And it's got the same kind of rolling terrain that we have. It seemed like a really good one to choose. And I, I, I decided to start on my journey and I opened the training thing up in the magazine and I looked at the swim workouts and I had no idea what any of it meant. Yeah. I was like, I have no, cause it looked like Russian, right? Yeah. It looked like some sort of, I had never done a swim workout. I didn't know what any of that meant. Right. So I called uh, a friend of mine who was a swim coach and I figured that was probably a good idea anyway. Cause I had done right. some, at that point I had, I think I'd done Eagle Man. I had done a half and my swimming was so bad. I was literally, like everybody says, to the last out of the water. I was truly very close to the last. My Easy to find my bike. It's right there. Yeah. And then I would just try to pass everybody and hang on in the run. And she, I'm like, I, I really need your help, Erica. She's like, great. She's like, well, my husband, Craig, is, a, is an Ironman coach. She's like, if you want to hire both of us and just not think about it. I was like, all right. Yeah. So I, I, he had me send over my results you know that all the stuff that you do when you onboard with a coach like i and i had actually done a story where i got tested at the olympic training center so i had numbers you know yeah. i had some of my results i had numbers and i sent that all to him and he immediately emails me back and he's like you could qualify for kona with these numbers and wow. i was like i didn't want to hear that <laughs> you're like oh no i just want to get in like Right. I'm like, this is 16 weeks to Ironman. He's like, well, if you're willing. So 16 weeks became nine months. Uh, and, um, but I, I always feel very woo woo when I say this, but the moment he said that I could go to Kona, it became in my mind, I was going to Kona. Sure. Like I yeah, was just of course. in, I, I was, I was going to do it, which looking back is the most ludicrous thing I could ever have thought. But like, I really believed it. And I, like you said that, like, I had that year where I did every workout exactly. I did everything. I didn't yeah. miss a single one. Like yeah. every single thing they told me to do, I did it. And and it builds super confidence when yeah. you put in that work, right? Like it, it's, there's something else that happens when you put in that level of work. <clears throat> and I even did swimming races, like open water swimming races, which I actually kind of love to yeah. like open water swimming is pretty badass. I love it. 
And I, I got to uh, Louisville and I had done, you know, it was, it was late August. It was super hot, but Craig had had me do all my long runs of the hottest blacktop I could find in the middle of the day, just totally prepping me for it. And I won my age group, oh. like, and went to Kona six weeks later. And it's just, and that just, everything, that was another, like, one of those, like, Joom! like, my life yeah. was about to really change. Yeah. What did you, um, because you're right, the, when you're doing that level of training, and I don't know if it's that level of training or seeing that type of progress, um, I remember I was in a, like a splash and dash one time and I'm not a super fast runner by any stretch. And I, it was like a, I want to say it was like a three K run thousand meter swim, three K run. It's kind of one of these Mm -hmm. and I'm running in the lead group and we're running like a five fifteen or something. And I'm like, I'm not this fast. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not (laughs) this fast, but I felt good. And I was like, hmm. yeah. so I, I eased off the gas a little bit, but I was like, God dang it, man. Like, whoa, where did that come from? And, it, and you're right. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden you start seeing yourself completely differently. Like I knew I totally. was never going to be amazing, but it was like, okay, I'm, I all of a sudden just went from like the you know middle back of the pack to all of a sudden I'm running the lead group because of this training. And the first time I go out and test it out, it's like, holy shit, like there's, there's something to this. So when you go and you... There is definitely something to it. You go from like yelling out to Dave, you know, I'm going to do an Ironman <laughs> to all of a sudden you're qualified for Kona. Like, like what happens in your life, in your mind? Like, how did you start seeing yourself differently? Um, or did you see yourself differently? Or was it just this... It's so weird. It's weird being here. You know, there's, diff- there's places, you know, like I... Because I live in this place where Runner's World and Bicycling and the Velodrome is very close by, I'm surrounded by Olympic level people, you know, or like um, by people who are. And so I didn't actually realize that I was that fast, you know, until like I got to different places because I got my ass handed to me all the time. Right. You know, like, like I knew that I was sort of like keeping up with people, but then it just never registered that I was keeping up with very, very fast people, you know, like, so like it, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it was like, it did, it did give me, it always felt a little surreal. Like I did start to identify as an athlete, which is something that I'd never done. You know, I'd, I'd never identified really as an athlete. And I started yeah. to identify that way and just started to really believe that if I put my mind to something that I could do it, yeah. you know, because I'd shown myself that if you put your mind to something, you can do it. Yeah. You know, so and that just, yeah. This is 2008 when this all goes down, Ironman Louisville and, yep. and then Kona. And so where were you at professionally at the time? Were you, how, like, what had you written at the time? Were you, like, were you thinking about really kind of combining the two things? Uh, I had been doing that already. Yeah, you had already I been, had been doing, doing that, that okay. already. Yeah. yeah, so I was, I was already, I was well into, I started writing for Bicycling uh, as a freelancer. You know, I, I went off on my own. Like, I started at Rodale, but I always wanted to be self-employed. So yeah. once I had met... I, I, it was a wonderful place to be because I met all these editors that then just scattered throughout the publishing industry yeah. and they keep you in your stable. Right. So I, I would just like, I have editors who have taken me with them everywhere they go. And that that's great. So once I had made all these connections, yeah. I was like, okay, I can like kind of fly free. And I got my personal training certification, a bunch of stuff for right. safety nets. So I'm like, I can always work at the gym and teach yeah. some spin classes and like make ends meet. Yeah. So, but I left Rodale at night in 
1998 to do my own thing. And at that point, I left with a contributor contract with Bicycling Magazine. Okay. And I, to, which I have to this day, which That's is funny. astonishing. But um, yeah, so I was already, my life had already become that sort of like meshed place by that yeah. point. In 2008, I was still, and the, the nice thing was, is that the, the, the personal blogs were a thing, you know, like Fat Cyclist had one and everybody had one. So I documented that whole Ironman journey through like a bicycling blog and it was just super fun. It was super, it was just a really cool time to yeah. be engaged in both of those pursuits. Was, was, um, was doing Kona like, uh, like kind of like when you get a master's where all of a sudden you have a little bit more cachet, you're, you know, more valuable as a writer, especially in that realm. Did it matter one way or the other? It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, I, I mean, I think that you still have to be able to, you know, a lot of people come into the, the writing space with, uh, high credentials athletically, but you, you need to be able to understand how to, how to bring that all back to a more broad audience, Yeah, you know? So that's what I do. Like uh, that is the magic that I make happen is take all these sort of like high level experiences are stuff that's coming at me from high-level scientists, and I synthesize it, and I make it digestible, you yeah. know, and for a lay audience. So you still really need to be able to do that, or yeah, that's interesting. it doesn't matter. You could have a wall full of right. <laughs> gold medals, and it doesn't matter. Well, I guess that is, the, that being your skill, then I think that that maybe is more the... For the, bicycling, because that's yeah. who we write for, like, right? right? Like, I'm, I'm not writing for, you know, like... yeah. Joe Friel is an, and I've always said that, like Joe Friel is always there for you. I yeah. am not Joe Friel. Right. Like I am not, that's not the advice that I'm giving you. And that's, that's yeah. not who I'm talking to. But in a lot of ways, that's good, right? That you can turn a, a basically a nine month turnaround to Kona into a, a relatable story to other men right. and women out there, you know, that you don't right. have to be an Olympian yeah. and you don't have to be superhuman to do some of these things. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I I fully believe that. Yeah, episode twenty seven. I talked to um, Lorna Campbell from the World Marathon Majors, and she started her career basically by like with a letter writing campaign. Um, she lived in England, and it was like to the uh, to the Olympic Committee, like you know, I'll do anything, that's I'll great. you know, and that's what she did for. I mean, oh, I heard that. I did hear that. Yeah, she, yeah, with the the reporting as a writer. Yep. Yeah, and, I heard that episode. That was she, great. She built a career, and it's cool because I've had a few people now since that episode reach out and say, "Hey, I'm taking my, I'm taking my Lorna Campbell advice here, and I'm reaching out. I'd love to come on the show, or how you know, if you guys need help at Athlings, that type of thing." So it's wow. Yeah, and that and that's you know. I've got a 17 year and a, and a 14 year old. And that, that's the advice that I give young people all the time. Like too often people sit back and wait for a recruiter or wait for that job listing. It's like, if you want to go work at Nike, go send a, you know, a thousand emails, you know, yep. go be a janitor at Nike and go, go figure yep. it out. Go figure out how to get into that thing that you really want to do. That um, passion makes a difference. 100%. You will meet somebody you'll have a conversation and that conversation will go somewhere. There's a hundred percent no question about that. Yeah. No question. What, um, yeah. what is your, what does your racing look like, uh, right now? Obviously we're extremely limited on racing in general, <laughs> but are you, um, uh, are you, are you looking at racing differently? Um, this is a kind of a professional question cause I'm really curious to see, I do my long runs here in, in near Boulder and I would say 80, 85% of the people that I pass on a wide open trail 
are wearing masks and it, and it, I look at that and I worry that, man, these are not people that are coming back to a race anytime soon. Well, I don't, I don't see that here. Okay. Honestly. Um, we, I, I think there will very much be races. Uh, you know, I mean, unpaved happened as you know, yep. last year and they, they did very well. It was small, you know, yep. it was, it was a small field. I, I've been at a few events. I think events have really figured it out pretty pretty well you know how to do yeah the the safe starts and the and the and the distances and and i mean i i i am cautiously optimistic but i do feel like throughout this year we're going to be making more progress and more progress and more progress to to getting places you know back to what what we recognize as being a more normal event right yeah um yeah i'm signed up for my Anything that I'm that I'm really hanging my hat on isn't until fall. Honestly, I, I'm doing um, Big Sugar, which is well, you know what Big Sugar is. <laughs> it's the race in uh, Northwest Arkansas, the the new the new gravel event there yep. that didn't happen last year. I was there for, for the media event the year before, and Spirit World, which is goes from Patagonia, Arizona, to the Mexican border and back, and that's in November. So those are, those are the two things the new events that I haven't done yet um, that I'm looking forward to in the fall. I don't, I don't have the same. I don't have the same eye of the tiger that I, that I, that I did. I, I, I'll say that. And I don't know if that's, I think it's just, I think it's just time. You know, I think it's just because I've, I've raced so long. Like I'm not as, um, my self-worth isn't as invested in it. And I think that's a healthy thing, you know? So like, I still like to go hard. I still like to train. I still like to line up, but I'm, I'm definitely not as competitive in my head as I used to be. And I'm not unhappy about that. Did, were you feeling that way before COVID or do you think it's a result of the Oh pause? no, no I, That's been a process. That's been happening. Okay. That's not yeah. just because that's, yeah, that's just, that's just been a, an yeah. evolution of self. What did you think of um, of unpaves uh, the timed versus untimed segments, and did you like that? And maybe describe how Dave set up the I do course. Like that. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting. I do like that. I like that format a lot. Um, I've done a couple of events that way, and the thing the thing I like about it because like when you have a start finish time, right? Like every you you can't you're you're dashing through the aid stations and you're barely looking around because yeah. every literally every second every minute matters yeah you know but when when you have just timed segments throughout that are that are added up you know and that's what the yeah. race is it's such a fun day it's just such a fun day you can talk to people and you can like enjoy like the aid stations are often a lot of fun. They have like bacon and espresso, and you, you know, like you can enjoy your time there. And then you can turn yourself inside out on whatever those segments are. And then you can regroup and you can laugh about it and have some fun. Like it's just such a, yeah. it just is. It's a whole different experience to the start finish race. I understand like why people like start finish races. Yeah. It is a different thing, mm. and there's always going to be a place for that. But I also think there will always be a place for that grinduro style yeah. race where you know you just regroup after the segment and y'all ride together and then you just crush it up the next one and yeah. it's just it's it's more like how we would ride for fun socially competitively right yeah. like that's how we like 100%. when you get a group of people together and there's like 
there's always that part in the ride, right, where you it, it turns into a race. I mean, oh, that that happens organically right. in so many of the rides that we yeah. do. So it's just like a formal. Yeah, that's a great uh, point. Yeah, it does. It does mimic the sort of the group ride a lot better, group run or whatever. Um, episode ten is when Dave was on, and then I had him on with Kelly Catali, who won the female yeah, which winner. Is great. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and so just for those who haven't listened to that episode, describe what Dave did on on course, just the grinduro style rules. Right. So, um, you can start. Well, this year you could start whenever you wanted because there was there was a two hour window, but that okay. was a COVID protocol that may or may not stay. But but otherwise, you start and then there's five to seven times segments. I can't remember what we decided on. And you, when you hit the segment and you, there's a little sign that tells you time to go, Yeah, you go. And then that segment could be a mile long. It could be 10 miles long, yeah. you know, like, you know that ahead of time. <laughs> and then you race that segment and you see when it's done and yeah. then you cross the line and then you get, you know, you do, all those times for those segments are added up in the end, and the person who did them fastest is the winner on the day. Yeah. So it allows, like you, you mentioned, Kelly. You know, she as as she talked about in your show, the the those the top three women rode together the whole yeah. time, and yeah. then they raced each other through the segments, and it ended up just being a really great day for them. Yeah, I think it's a phenomenal. Um, format and i'm not a big racing purist again the last race i won was in fifth grade so i don't mind (laughs) tweaking events and things and you know i had bill bucklew on the podcast who's suffering from um, parkinson's and he did um uh was it the napa one of the marathons in california through wine country and at the 13 mile mark he went and did a wine tasting you know, he had like That's blown great. out the side of his shoe because his uh, the the clinching of his muscles and things, and so he broke it up. Wow. And between that story and then Dave's story, I'm like, you know, think of think of like New York City Marathon. You know, you run through all five boroughs, but like you said, you're redlining the whole time. You're not right. enjoying it right. per se. There's sixty thousand people in that race. How many thousands of people would love to? I'm not going to run three hours. Really so, so let me run six hours, but let me go and have, you know, different experiences in each of the boroughs and that type of thing. So, Because the running community hasn't really, I've done a bunch of cycling no. events in that, in that spirit, in that format. Yeah. But I can't think of a run that does that. No, and that's really. actually a brilliant idea. Yeah. I mean, that outside really of the idea. massive seven day stage race runs and things like that. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't know of any running races that really have adopted that kind of grinduro style. Um, That's interesting. And then you can have yeah. all sorts of, we did a thing at Leadville a few years ago. Um, we gave out these Athlinks gas can flasks at the run of the ride. It was at the ride. And what it was, mm-hmm. was we, we set up, it was like a one mile segment at between miles 99 and, and the finish line. And, oh, and it was basically the hardest part of the whole thing. Yeah. And so way. it was just whoever had the best time in that stretch. And we gave away, that's I don't cool. know, like six or seven or whatever it was. God, that's such a hard stretch. Yeah. And it was the Athlinks gas can award. It was like whoever had the most left in the gas tank. And I, what that's I loved awesome. about that was, again, is last time I won a race was fifth grade. And, but give me some opportunity to, you know, you know, give away mm-hmm. 10 awards throughout the race or whatever. I think there's some, there's some no, really cool, cool things. Yeah. That there's is some, very cool. Yeah. So, um, like uh, 
What was I going to say? Shoot, it was a, it was around the COVID protocols and all that stuff. Then you mentioned something um, with unpaved. I don't know. I'll, I'll let it go. I don't. Uh, what What is your advice for me? Not that you've done the um, uh, a fifty mile run, but what's what? Give me some advice. Like, give me some. Give me a pep talk to get me over uh, over the hill to um, Silver Rush. How's your IT band going? Terribly. So I, I did, I, I, I found luckily some exercises that I think are helping. The weird thing is I can run on a treadmill for two hours, no problem. But the second I start running, second I start running downhill, even a little bit, Mm. half mile in, I'm Mm -hmm. just, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. just killing me. It's killing me a lot. Yeah. Downhill, it does tend to be the. Yeah. does tend to be the thing with IT band. Which has always been my superpower. Like I can I can descend super technical stuff just growing up in Arizona and doing a ton of trail running there. That's always been my superpower. Like you're not going to beat me running down a really crazy mm-hmm. technical mountain. And right now, right now I, I can't walk down the stairs without pain the day after a run. So, but I feel like I'll I get I assume it. you get Body work? Do you have somebody helping you? I really don't. I mean, I've, I do the Theragun, you know. Troy, Troy. I know. You need to see somebody. That okay. that is that is that is my <laughs> advice to you. Okay. I, very very you seriously. Um, okay. very seriously. Get you. You have a lot of people at your disposal, and I say this from the bottom of my heart yeah. because I've seen it happen. Like I have a friend of mine who did the JFK. All, you know, fifty yep. all, over here, and I I've worked with many people who. Literally, like they are hobbling, and then they see a a very skilled bodywork specialist, and yep. it's night and day. Wow. Like the the right person can be night and day. Yeah. I, I I say that because stuff like that is it's hard to get out of your head. Yeah. Right, and it it's it, it is an impediment to your joy and your progress, yeah. and it's always a little bit of underlying stress. There's that word again. Mm. So if you feel like you can get a handle on what is going on and what yeah. you can do to mitigate it and all of that stuff, you will like a lot of barriers are going to fall Yeah, and you're going to have the confidence and that it's not going to be a problem. Now I know you're a hundred percent right. And the crazy thing is I can, I feel like I like even as of today, I feel like I could run 30 miles easily on the right half of my body easily. Like I, I feel <laughs> yeah. great at the end of a run on the right side of my body. It's just, my lungs feel great. My arm, everything in my body feels great. It's that freaking knee, that IT band, you know, my hip and my knee. Oh yeah, no, I've had it. I know yeah. exactly what it feels like. I know exactly yeah. what it feels like. But I also, I also know, as someone who works in this field, that uh, um, not addressing it yeah. appropriately will cause you, as you know, to yeah. could cause a lot of uh, repercussions down the line because you're definitely compensating, even For if sure. you don't think you are. Yeah. You're definitely compensating. So, and 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 man, the a good bodywork person is like a magician. They they can really not like their guns are great. All yeah. that stuff is great, but no, it, you're right. you, you don't know you don't know where that stuff is coming from. Yeah. Like the one time I did have like a knee thing that I couldn't figure out. It was coming from like my hip and I just would never have figured out where it was in my hip. Like I kept doing stuff with my leg and this and that. And once we addressed it, it was just like, Oh, it's like a weight had been lifted off of me. All right. You got me. I know you're right. I'm stupid. I, you know, I'm stubborn about this type of thing. I've never been good about like doing the massage and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
So I'll do it. Yeah, this I, is more than just no, massage. And that's why I say yeah. you kind of need to find the right person because right. the right person is intuitive. Like the yeah. woman that I see and Jeff knows her too, she is a wizard. I mean, yeah. she just she she can just put her hands in and figure out like it's this and work it out and then you're like, "Oh my yeah. lord." Like it's just night and day. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go. I'll do the there's a Denver Trail Running Facebook group. I'll I'll reach out and get all that there done. There you go. All right. I'm, you will be very happy that you did. Good advice. Very you could probably couldn't have given me better advice, frankly. So that's perfect. Well, I've been listening to you and it, I've been talking to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've listened on my runs and I've been like, like hey. <laughs> so now I have a chance to talk to yeah. you and tell you what I've been saying on the trail. Idiot. Go talk to, to someone. Jeez, this is not hard. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there have been people out there who have been like week after week, dude. Go fix this thing. <laughs> Jeez. Moron. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely right. Wow. Say it out loud. I do sound stupid. <clears throat> All right, so we can see the finish line across the horizon. You want to you go down the 10-question dash, answer some questions? Let's do it. You know this drill. Let's do it. I always hit the wrong button. Let me make sure I'm hitting the right button here. That's the one. Okay, very good. All right, question number one is what's your gear looking like? Who you uh, who you repping? Who are your favorites? I am not repping anyone per se, but I do have some favorite gear. My favorite gear, for a while now, I have an Open Upper. Do you know what Open is? It's no. the bike brand Open. Okay. Oh, they, they make they make a very... I mean, it's not it's not like your big gnarly adventure cycling gravel bike, but it's it's more like road geometry. Okay. But very gravel capable, and it's just you know I've raced that thing in Kansas, I've raced it across Michigan, I've done all the big stuff on it. It is just that bike is a game changer because I can also ride on you know with the load like the road groups with it. So I big fan. Big is, fan of it, my open upper. Is that your map? Your uh, your black one? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at your Instagram feed. That's yeah, a nice looking bike. There's a picture from just the other day on it with the Mac Bulldog. Yeah, very nice. Very pretty. <laughs> yeah, and you you don't do much running these days, I take it. I just ran before today. Okay. I did. I, I do uh, Hoka One Ones. God, man. I'm it a Hoka is, person. Again, like 80% of the people I think that have come on here. Uh, our it's changed me like I I'm I if I get over about I can get to about 10 miles before I start to get just injury stuff mm -hmm. like I it, it I'm, I, like I said I'm not 100% built for running but the hokas are have really transformed that for me like I can I can run yeah. much better without worrying about uh, the injury stuff with them that's awesome yeah, I just got the Evo Jaws. I haven't done a technical run in them yet. The speed goats were too tall. I kept t twisting my ankle on technical stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I do like, I liked the speed goats for just longer, like flat trail run type of stuff. Um, and so I'm going to go back to it. But Nike Terra Tigers are the, they, they, I accidentally bought a pair years and years ago and they have saved my life. So that's, that's really? where, that's where the what IT. What is it about them? That's where the IT band is so frustrating is that that, Switching to those from a gel Kayano, so switching from a road to a trail, and then specifically to the Terra Kigers, have just it just fixed my mechanics. For whatever reason, hmm. I ran in them slightly different. It kind of um, it gets me to run a little bit more on my forefoot without having a, a high drop. I don't know; it's a weird thing for me. I couldn't describe it and tell anybody else why I like them, um, but they really they really helped. And it wasn't until hmm. I don't know. 
know if I should say it, but it was when I started, I switched over to my speed goats on a 22 mile run is when that IT band got really aggravated. Interesting. And so, yeah. Sometimes switching shoes like that. I shouldn't have done it for so such a I've, long time. I've, heard, run, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that happen to other people, even within brand. Like that same friend of mine I was telling you about who she's a Hoka person in general. Yeah. But she went from like the Clifton's to something, some other model within that mm -hmm. during her long runs and ended up like crippling herself. And she went mm -hmm. to see my massage person, Rose, and she was all better. So we're bringing this story back again. <laughs> Very good. All right. Um, you already talked about your next race. Um, what's, do you have like a favorite sports book or movie or anything like that? Yeah, you know, I, I hear you ask this question. And I was like, what would I say? And I and I don't really. I mean, being a Philly girl, Rocky is a thing. Oh, you know, yeah. like it, it's hard not to be a sucker for Rocky. And uh, Sea Biscuit was always actually one of my favorites, <laughs> which is just I just love the story of Sea Biscuit. Yeah. I was I yeah. I don't know. I think I was like seven or eight or something when Rocky came out, and it was mm -hmm. like. I had never seen anything like it that just made you feel so amazing watching a movie. And like, I've tried to get my kids yep. to watch it and they're just like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like you can't, <laughs> I it, love it. I know. I like the, the vision first quest, one I still Rocky. love. And Oh, vision quest is a good one too. That's but, good. but Rocky, like the actual, they do a Rocky run in Philly. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yeah. It's it's thirty miles because like actually if you were to go past all the things <laughs> that he runs by it would be yeah. a thirty mile run yeah so it's, it's pretty cool yeah. yeah yeah do you have to wear just like plain gray sweat suit too yeah it, it, the whole mm. thing oh yeah. yeah you don't have to drink uh, raw eggs but yeah otherwise what's your favorite race you've ever done oh boy that's so hard to I, I'll just say the first one that comes to mind it would be the Brazil ride the, the stage race I did in Brazil okay. Because it was, uh, it was just so, so beautiful. And it was so, um, just so wild. Like we, you'd be on a, on a trail and like wild horses would run out oh, or burrows or just like crazy, crazy. Was it mostly it, dirt it and so gravel? Earth. It was mountain bike. Okay. It was like mountain bike, mountain bike, like, yeah. you know, gnarly trail, Good gnarly. that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like pretty technical for a lot of it but it was just it, you just really felt immersed in the place and it was such a such a unique experience that's yeah. awesome uh bucket list race oh i forgot to give you my dings there we go <laughs> you have a bucket list race something you haven't done you really want to review yeah, you know, I, d I, I don't actually, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Spirit Spirit World was one of them because it just okay. sounds so rad. And so that is coming up and hopefully I'll get to do that because it just seems, I don't know. I, I like uh, I like races that go places, yeah. you know, and that the whole idea of like, you know, going to the Mexican border and back just seems pretty rad. So I've never, I mean, I grew up in Arizona. Where the hell is Patagonia, Arizona? I don't know that I've ever heard it's of it. It's tiny. It's a tiny little someplace 50 or 60 miles from the border evidently huh. i've never been there either but uh they there's a quite a little gravel community out of there and the oh i'm blanking heidi and oh, xander okay. they do yeah they, they, there's the cycling chefs out of there i'm completely blanking on their they're there okay so i, I think that's that's huh. the idea so you eat well ride your bike cool tequila bar in the desert nothing yeah, wrong with that, that. Nothing wrong with that. 
Um, home stretch song or band on your playlist? Do you listen to music when you're riding? I do. I don't listen to when I ride as much, but boy, I listened when I was training for Ironman. I had yeah. a playlist that because you have to like, as you know, run after almost every ride. Yeah. And like to get myself to go many days, I would just sit on my steps and be like, oh, my God. And it was it would literally be like a 10 minute run. But it, it yeah. was like trying to get ready for a marathon. It was just so hard to like bricks, get back bricks, out bricks. the door. Yeah. So I um for whatever reason, and I can't even tell you why, I got very emotionally attached to U2's uh, One Tree Hill. Okay. And that is like the first the first song on all those playlists. And just those strains would come up and I'd be like, okay, here we go. And I would just start. And now, like, literally, I hear that sometimes and I start, like, crying <laughs> because it just became so, like, in- entrenched in me. Wow. Yeah, so. Oh, What's your most embarrassing song in that playlist? I unironically have a Nickelback song oh, on, the, on the playlist. Nice. Uh, Leader of Men, Nickelback is on that. Uh, and I belt it out completely. Yeah. Unabashedly. I, I ask the question because I have some really embarrassing stuff in my playlist that... Uh, yeah, it's just like it is what it is. Sometimes you hear that song and you're like, I shouldn't like this, but man, I do. And it gets me Doesn't going. Doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any pre-race rituals or superstitions? Um, yes and no. Like, so before a race, I always, I because I have such incredible nerves, mm-hmm. I just methodically have my race prep, right? Like so many minutes out i'm doing x y and z okay now is the time i'm going to like put my number on my bike i'm going to do my stuff and that just keeps my monkey brain from running away with me so that is very important i uh i am more superstitious about i get attached to jewelry like so Mm. i like like this necklace i actually ran iron man in Mm. and i i retired it for a bit and had other necklaces that were my thing and now this one is back so i do get i definitely have some of my mojos that i I have with me or I am wearing. I that's always cool. ha- and it's generally around jewelry. Mm. That's nice. Uh living or dead, who would you most like to share a long run or in this case ride with? My grandfather. Grandfather, why? Cuz I'd like cuz he he definitely loved to ride when nobody rode bikes and it's definitely something that comes um I, I have that from him. He was also one of my favorite relatives. I've, I I think that's where I got my endurance curiosity or just gene from. Because he yeah. used to just hike up to the top of the mountain in his town and like pick huckleberries for no yeah. for no reason. Right? Like everyone's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. So kind of wanderlust. Uh, I, I think about him a lot, and, it, and like I, I'll get a little proclaimed and, and, and teary here, but like it would be nice to. I think he'd be really proud. And it would just be nice to share that that space with him. He won. He once he he got a uh, a stationary bike for the living room. They lived in a tiny, tiny little uh, house yeah. by the zinc company. It took up the whole living room. And he's like, "Let's let's have a competition and see who can ride the longest." And I rode I rode that thing thirty miles. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and he, I was like twelve. He's like, "You win, you win." So wow. yeah, that's impressive. Cool. That's a good answer. Okay, well, 
You know the last question. You've listened, so give it to me. What is the secret, Celine? Look forward. Keep race forward. But I always think like don't uh, people spend a lot of time looking back and and it's all ahead of you. You know, like it's okay to it's okay to to to, to turn your head over your shoulder here and there and see where you've been and but I I I think that when people get to a certain point in their life, they spend way too much time with their head over their shoulder. Hmm. And there's still so much ahead of you. Yeah. So just just eyes forward. I love that. Have you caught yourself dwelling on something in the past that you couldn't change? I don't I don't dwell as much, but I, I'm very conscious about I think it's very easy to at a certain point to want to keep showing people Look what I did! Look what I did! Or like even you know, and keep doing. Yeah, you know, I, like that. I, I always remind myself of that. Like that—that's great. You did all that, but that's that's still in you, and there's still more to do. And you don't have to keep trying to like prove yourself or impress people. Like keep keep going. Like look forward. Like what yeah. is ahead of you? I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's a great answer. Nailed it. Love that. Thanks. Well, anything else you would uh, let's let's plug the podcast and all that stuff again. But oh, yeah. uh, anything else you'd hit like play, to play, not us? pause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit play, not pause. Hit play, not pause. It's a good good lesson in in life, really. Yeah, and that's that's it. I mean, I I think you know you your your audience is is obviously engaged in that. So and yeah. uh, make sure that you take care of your IT band with somebody. Huh? I will do it. I Be promise. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, I have better <laughs> updates on on subsequent shows. Hopefully, in a week, I'll be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and she told me to go see somebody, and it worked, and I'm great. Yeah. So that's what I hope to hear. Well, look, I'd rather be a little bit injured, something that I can overcome, than like I just can't seem to find any level of endurance or strength or whatever. Like I know I'll overcome it, and I do need to treat it, but I will, especially on your advice, I will definitely overcome this. So it just it'll just make it. I, I really, be- I really, really believe that, yeah. you know, it, it's going to, um, it's, I, I can hear that it's something that is in your head and like it, you'll, it would behoove you to get that out of your head. Yeah. Right. Like it's just, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I know how that stuff is. No, you're I'm, right. And I do now start my run thinking, well, when's my knee going to hurt? Yeah, of course you, you do. Know? Of yeah. course you do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course you do. That's, that's yeah. a very natural thing. And yeah. then we've been to be wonderful not to have that. Cool. You'd be really happy. Well, you're the best. Yeah, that's good advice. I appreciate it. That is awesome. So uh, definitely go out there and listen to Hit Play, Not Pause. Um, Again, like this, I I hope a lot of guys have stuck with us through this conversation because I think it was a fascinating conversation, whether you're you're five or 50, like, you know, at some point you or someone you love, someone that you're married to or supporting or or the child of or whatever is going to go through these things. And so I think the more you know, the better you are. And um, I appreciate yep. you dropping some knowledge on us. I, think I learned a lot and I think it's great. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. So, well, that is the show, everybody. Um, hope you enjoyed it. More people racing more often, having more fun in the process is our mission at Athlinks. Thanks again to Celine Yeager, AKA Fit Chick 3. Do you, are you looking for more Instagram followers? Should I put that out there? I can sure. edit that. Yeah. 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 And that'd be awesome. Cool. At Fit Chick 3 on Instagram, Celine Yeager. Um, we do a special post for each episode on Instagram. So look for the post with episode 34 with a picture of Celine. 
If you have comments or questions, we are at Athlinks or shoot us an email to podcast at Athlinks.com. Um, and the best way to support the podcast is click subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify to be notified of new shows. Share it with friends far and wide with anyone you think would enjoy it. And please just take a second to give us a rating and a quick review on iTunes. Uh, you know, until next time, happy racing, everybody. Thanks. That was fun.